Hello and welcome to our podcast, Hashtag Divorce, with Audrey Zetoun, divorce coach based in London, and myself, Sarah-Jane Taster, French family lawyer practicing in international law in England and Hong Kong. In our podcast, Hashtag Divorce, we will be bringing you hope, positivity, as well as practical information about divorce and well-being, food for thoughts, and hopefully, support to help you move forward at each and every step of the divorce process. If you would like to know more about what we do when we're not doing this podcast, you can go to our websites, pasterfamilylaw.co.uk and audreyzcoaching.com. Back to today's topic. So today we are talking financial advice with our guest, Kerry Griffiths. I can hear some of you already saying, again, and my answer to them is yes, because financial advice is so important in a divorce, but also because clients have various kinds of wealth and there is a need for different kinds of financial advisors. And Carrie's just not any financial advisor. She has set up her own firm, Willowbrook Lifestyle Finance, in order to advise and assist women divorcing CEOs. This is very specific since our episode today is all about women who are divorcing wealthy and powerful men and how to deal with their financial vulnerability or vulnerability in general and or the specific traits of personality that often comes with being successful CEOs. Sarah Jane, uh, thank you for that intro. And uh, maybe, Kerry, it's a pleasure to, to have you here on the podcast. Uh, would you like maybe to say a few words and introduce yourself uh, a little bit more? Absolutely. So thank you for having me on. The intro was perfect. You've described what I do exactly. And my mission is to remove the financial vulnerability and disadvantage that women divorcing CEOs face. And what I'd really like to see, my vision for the future, is a place where it's easy and attractive for women to be money savvy. So that's what I'm all about. That's what I shout about on social media. Um, and that's the work that I do. And the recognition I've had for that work has been significant because of how much I raise my voice and because I'm not scared to say how it is and to actually create some ripples around what we need to change. I've won numerous awards, most recently highly commended in the Women in Finance, Woman of the Year Vulnerable Clients. And then last year, Women in Finance, I was Financial Advisor of the Year for Wales award previously empowered woman of the year for the empowered magazine so yes lots of work going on <laughs> in the background to make sure that we're talking about this really important topic and yeah removing that vulnerability creating a level playing field so that women can divorce with confidence I love that, Kerry, and congratulations for all these awards. It is very impressive indeed. Boring, <laughs> I yes. think. I mention them because I think when you know that somebody external has validated the work that your advisor has done, it's reassuring. And when you are feeling so vulnerable during divorce, you need all of the reassurance you can get about who you can trust. Yes, that's so true. And it's true, it's reassuring for people and also for you that you yeah. know, you're doing the right, the right things, yeah. um, which is very important uh, as well. So removing vulnerability, uh, as you mentioned, that's so the core of your work. And in, are there any situations that you encounter on a regular basis? 
Yeah. So typically my clients are divorcing CEOs and the scenario is often that their marriage has been around creating the right platform for him to attain his ambition of getting to this role. So they haven't necessarily had wealth throughout their marriage, but they probably do have wealth now that they've reached that place. And they've had a journey to actually get there that has involved often a lot of moving around, resettling in kind of new places as he moves up the career path, quite often internationally. And so what we commonly see will be situations where his career has been prioritised, consciously a family decision made that she will take a back step in her career or stop altogether so that, that his career can rightly get the focus that it needs to move as far forward as So we end up with women who are educated, had careers, but had to make that choice as a family. And therefore, we have one person who's working, one who's not, um, maybe has had quite a bit of time out of work. And that results in quite a few things. It results in you feeling vulnerable because it's not easy to just straight get back on a career path if you've had time out. It really genuinely isn't. If you've had 5, 10, 15 years out of a career, jumping straight back in is not always viable. And it also means that you are likely to have less connection because of the traveling around you potentially haven't got a support team around you either and given the role that he plays as a CEO that often involves quite a lot of figures and finance and so he probably has naturally taken on the role of managing the money within the relationship so my clients are often educated women who have given their all for the family to have achieved him being a CEO but now find themselves in a place where they're not able to support themselves financially themselves for for a number of years and they're feeling really disconnected from their money and actually kicking themselves a bit wrongly but kicking themselves a little bit you know my clients often have a lot of regret and a bit of embarrassment about not staying close to the finances and I just want to reassure anybody listening who's in this position there's nothing to regret or be embarrassed about it's a really logical thing to do for the person who has the strengths and enjoys it to manage the finances but that doesn't mean that you're not going to feel regret over it and I know I'm talking lots but the last thing I want to say around this side of things is if you're in that position if you're feeling vulnerable just now and you're thinking that there is so much for you to learn to pick your finances back up the first thing I want you to know is it is not as difficult as financial advisors would make you believe we can get you up to speed quickly during your divorce genuinely we can so what I hear from what you're saying is that women in that situation are very maybe sometimes more vulnerable than other women because they have this shame that maybe other women wouldn't have so I feel that your clients have a lot of emotional issues also to deal with so do you deal with that also or no. how, how do you so I am a financial advisor I have experience of narcissism in my life and I'm a natural empath so that comes through my clients feel that yeah. I feel that from them on that level I should point out really that to achieve the role of a CEO requires a certain type of individual. That leadership doesn't come without often toxic personality traits. Now, it's very unusual to be able to diagnose somebody. They're not going to walk in and say, look, am I a narcissist and actually get diagnosed? So there is you know, speculation. But often my clients, the work and the way that they describe their ex would suggest that these toxic personality traits exist. And that, again, makes my clients even more vulnerable. As a result of that, I have narcissism qualifications, but I hold those qualifications to be able to work on strategy with my clients, to empathize with my clients, to make sure that we are taking the the correct route, not to counsel or give them therapy. And that's a really distinctively different role. Um, Now, that isn't to say 
say that what we do doesn't involve coaching at all. Very much your work with a financial planner is around envisaging the life that you want post-divorce. You know, what is a full and beautiful life post-divorce? Picturing that and kind of really making that as real as we can and costing that out so that we can make sure that she gets um, or is able to ask for what she needs during the divorce and we properly know how much that is. So that is coaching, but it's I'm not coaching her on how to heal through the divorce that's your guy's role you know my my role is quite separate to that it's quite reassuring to see that we all do the same you know picturing the after is something we all have in common yeah it's very important yeah yeah Yes, and often they don't know what's after look like but at least financially it's maybe more concrete and you can work on that and it gives them that stability and that reassurance that at least money wise they have you know some certainty more yeah you're right often when first asked client won't know what they want afterwards you know they're just coping and getting through day to day and where I start with clients like that is very much around okay what don't you want let's go through what don't you want to happen after this divorce you know they don't want to be in a place where they're worrying about money they don't want to move house potentially you know the don'ts often come out a little bit quicker yeah and when we've got that list of what they don't want I am often able to kind of see the the flip of it You know, like when they've given me a list of don'ts and then we can start to imagine what they do want. What is really interesting about my clients is that they have had in the later years of their relationship, they've had enough wealth to live some quite affluent lifestyles, some some really enjoyable lifestyles. But my clients are often not in the least bit materialistic. You know, I've never had a client and my clients are millionaires, but I've never had a client say, I definitely want a Porsche. I need to be able to shop and I need to be able to have this type of jewelry or this type. My clients don't say that. In fact, I've had clients who've said the five star holidays aren't important to me. I was on a five star holiday and all I was dreaming about was having a normal life and being able to just enjoy the moments rather than running through this kind of parade and so divorce can be a chance to pause and to reset and to really dig deep into what is important and meaningful to you and I see my clients do that and I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of my role is Mm. seeing my clients actually assess what they truly want from life and then for us to plan towards that and they do some quite amazing things my clients as a result and it isn't all about money it's it's about living simply living authentically doing things that truly bring you joy it's living according to your values maybe they didn't share those values of wealth and yeah. uh, performance that their husband shared and had and now they can live by their own values and their yeah. own uh, beliefs money means quite different things to different people and this is very broad spectrum but typically money to men and the reason that i work with women exclusively money to men is is around performance around stats it's around wealth it's around prestige and money to women is more around security and opportunities it's kind of flipping that because she might have some money blocks that are very much linked to his over powering views of money and we need to work through those a little around okay money may not be important to you but these things are important to you and money is the key to that in fact I posted something on my Instagram today it's not my content it was something I'd seen on a reel and it was something along the lines of just because you can live a good life with less doesn't mean you aren't entitled to more and and I think that's really important is kind of getting my clients to to kind of realize that it's a good summary because often I see my clients say I just want to end this relationship I don't want anything yeah and it's really difficult to say you may feel like that now but down the line you will need money 
to be able to, and you don't want to regret not having thought about it before. So what you're saying is is really important. That security is so important. So I'd like to know, Kerry, more concretely, maybe uh, for our listeners. uh, So how do you step in? When do you step in when someone comes to see at what stage of the divorce are they? Well, historically, a lawyer would probably introduce a financial planner towards the end of a divorce and we'd get involved with putting in place pension sharing orders. I'm glad to say that's really historic because we get involved very early on. Sometimes I'm actually the very first person a client will ring. And the reason that happens is a typical way for a divorce to play out for a woman divorcing a CEO is that there'll be some decisions made, right? We're separating, we're going to divorce. And it is very common that the ex will then produce a spreadsheet and say, this is what we've got. This is what 50-50 looks like. Let's not get a lawyer's involved and waste all our money on that. You just need to accept this. Let's keep it amicable. You do anything else and it's not amicable. And that's quite frightening. If you have not been in touch with the finances in your marriage and you're now presented with a spreadsheet, you're presented by somebody who you don't necessarily believe has your best interests at heart. And he's almost threatening that if you don't take this, then you're the one who's making this not an amicable divorce. And so women will often reach out to me at that point and say, they won't say the words vulnerable, but essentially they're feeling vulnerable. They'll reach out and they'll say, this is my scenario and I don't know what to do. And for those types of clients, what I will tend to do is I will look through the spreadsheet with them and I will highlight red flags and I'll say, this is a red flag, this is a red flag, this is a red flag. And when I say red flag, it's things that I understand the law has a viewpoint on and they need to get legal advice on because I am not a lawyer. I can't turn around to them and say, well, he can't ring fence that and actually this is 50-50 or that's absolutely not my place. But I have worked with enough clients to know that they need to get legal advice on certain areas. So I'll point those out and I'll also be pointing out and making sure they understand what's on there and how that could play out for them and where there might be gaps. When you are divorcing a CEO, the chances are that your finances are quite complex because you've traveled internationally, you might have internationally held funds, his pension can be fairly complex because of that. And he's likely to hold shares because of his his work and also likely to get something called deferred compensation, which means that he's done work that he won't be paid on for an, another six months, year, two years, depending on the plan. And they don't always put that information on there either. So there'll be some things that are be saying, okay, well, this doesn't sit in line with what we would expect from a CEO and these things are missing and you know this is some things that would need to be explored. So I get involved fairly early on and that's the kind of work that I'd be doing with a client and the reassurance I would be giving to a client is that doing their due diligence makes all the difference. They can do their due diligence confidentially. He never needs to know that they've done their due diligence and so this idea of them not being amicable because they're doing their due diligence they can rest assured. Because of their toxic personality traits my client are often very aware of not triggering their ex. So if they can keep things as smooth as possible mm-hmm. while they do their due diligence, that's really important. But typically we'll get to a point where it's, okay, the legal team now need to let them him know that they're around because they need to ask some more questions, mm-hmm. they need to get some more evidence, etc. So I get involved early on and then I work with my client all the way through and I can talk you through what I do if you want me to. Um, but I work with my client all the way through to the point they get their settlement and afterwards. So I then work with my client for life. So when a client becomes my client, they're with me forever. So I am really particular about the clients that I work with because we need to gel. We need to be kind of feeling that we want to work together for the next 50 years, you know? Yes, that's all true. That now it's important to step in very very early on and as you mentioned that these women mustn't be scared 
to, get to reach out and, and get the info. Yes, definitely. I have, I have a, a practical question. When you're talking about being an international lawyer, uh, when you're talking about CEOs who have been in many countries, do you have countries you specialize in other than England? There are, are there countries that tend to come back a lot or is it really, you know, anywhere? It's really anywhere. Um, and my clients typically are in the UK. Well, are always in the UK mm -hmm. when they reach out to me or on their way back to the UK. Mm -hmm. um, as a result of this, the separation, they generally come back. Singapore, possibly a little bit more than other countries. But yeah, it's fairly mixed. America, Singapore, I would say we're the two that kind of show up the most, but it is quite varied. I think we've covered really, you know, what you do. And I think it's important to, to point out your specificity here and, and, yeah. and to say to these women that there is help for them, specifically for them, if you're married to CEO and those these personalities that you mentioned. And yeah. I can see that in my coaching, uh, how these women can feel so not worthy, lose self-esteem and confidence to, to yeah. move on and rebuild their life. So it's really important that your work as well shows that aspect and help them to realize that they are entitled to some money and compensations Absolutely. as well. One of the things that's really important to do is make clients aware of the reality of money, how much they need. Because my clients are not typically old money. They're not typically, they haven't grown up being millionaires. And they've been, you know, fairly privileged. They've gone to university. They've had great jobs. But, you know, they haven't had millions all their life. And so talking about millions to friends and family can be quite isolating because friends and family don't always get it. You know, you get a million pounds, you'll be fine. But a million pounds actually doesn't go anywhere. You know, by the time you've bought a property. Um, so a big part of what I do is kind of making the money real and giving her the context. So I run a four-stage program. It's called WISE. The first step is wellness. And that's the bit that we've talked about so far, which is about filling knowledge gaps and making sure clients are really super clear about what assets there are, how they work, if, you know, just really understanding the status quo. And then I is all around intent. So really understanding what she wants a post-divorce life to look like, how much that life is going to cost to live. Um, and so we spend a lot of time actually running through how much life will cost then when the children grow up in early retirement. And we work out her cost from now to age 100, overlay it with what income we know is going to be there. If she was to return to work, for example, she'll give me some examples, um, state pension, any other pension she might have acquired. And we get to a point where we can say this is the lump sum or the monthly income you need to make sure there is no shortfall in your life from now to age 100. And we can use that work. So that's called cash flow forecasting to then run through various scenarios. So we can think about if we were to keep the family home and downsize later, how would that change that figure? How much of a lump sum might she need then instead? We can think about if they were to inherit which my clients often want to just kind of have in the background, particularly because they know their pension pots aren't huge. You know, it's that one thing thinking, well, I will inherit some money, but it's another knowing, actually, I will inherit and I will definitely have no shortfall or I will still have a shortfall of X. So we can put some concrete figures. The next stage then is stress test. So there will be some proposals that will go back and forth and we will use the software, the classical forecasting software, to run a proposal, basically overlay it from the work that we've done around what she needs and see if it works. And if it doesn't, see if we can be creative, see if there's some ways that we can maybe move retirement very slightly and give her the clarity to know whether or not she can accept something and whether or not something works for her. And then the very last stage is evolve. And this is about making sure that clients are in a place, women are in a place to make the investment decisions that they need to as a result of having a lump sum. 
So if you need to understand how investments work, how investment charges work, what sustainable investing is, just feel like empowered to actually say, okay, I've, I've got this lump sum and now I know how I'm going to use it to produce an income. That's kind of the work that I do in my RISE program. And then, like I say, my clients who invest with me, we work together for life and I give me advice then about how we put together that portfolio. Okay, that's very good. So they can subscribe to that program on your website and yeah yeah and absolutely contact you yeah. yeah reach out and contact me but those four stages even if they're not going to work with me they're the four stages a client should yeah. be thinking about you know making sure you've really understood it making sure you're really clear about what you want making sure you've got a way to sense check and stress that's what's being offered and making sure you're ready to make investment decisions they're kind of the four kind of stages that we need to work through that would be your tip for women who are listening to us today yeah for example. absolutely yeah and I, I I think my biggest tip is the one I said at the beginning which is do not underestimate yourself you can do this it is made to seem complicated because I think financial services just wants to appear over important it is not hard you will pick it up it will be straightforward and you'll get through this and yeah with some support on side you will be running before you know it that's a very good positive note yes yeah. <laughs> to end the podcast yeah i think it's very important just listening to you like i was saying before we started your voice is so soothing and not one that we expect from a financial advisor mm -hmm. so i'm really happy that you agreed to come on this podcast because we really want to assure everybody but also you know women that they can find somebody that can understand them emphasize that it's not because they have money that they're not allowed to be worried also. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And I think one of the things that financial services needs to get way better at is the image that it portrays. Because we think of financial advisors are these guys in pinstripe suits in the city that we can't <laughs> relate to. And actually part of your due diligence, if you're going to be working with a financial planner, you need to go and find someone that you can really gel with, that you really get on with. And I won't be for everybody, but I will be for some people and vice versa. Not every client's going to be for me. And just as you can find, you know, a coach that you really gel with, you can find a financial planner. We are all breeds and sizes and kind of personalities. So I'm I'm a bit spiritual. I'm a little bit woo-woo and out there. And my clients love that. But for some clients, that would really put them off. And I think it's mm. just kind of understanding that what you probably want in a financial planner does exist. And so do your due diligence and find one that you just think, yeah, they are the right type of personality for me to want to work with. Is it like lawyers or divorce coaches can you go and see a few um, yeah. financial advisor and to make sure that it's the right one definitely do that yeah. definitely do that so yeah Typically, most financial planners will arrange like a half an hour call that you can just kind of get to know each other, understand what that person's offering and just find out if they are on the right wavelength. So, yeah, you can do that. Absolutely. I would also say troll their social media. Kind of you get a good feel for someone on social media. Um, and I think that's a really good place to start to kind of narrow your shortlist down and kind of say those people are the right people for me to reach out to. Yes, it's true that if we are trusting the person, we trust i think half the work is done sometime you know because yeah. if the person feel that they can work with you they trust you and then they can learn about finance it's like in coaching i feel like when clients obviously sign up with me they trust me and then the work is so much easier 
working together so much better for for both of us yes absolutely and it's you know that trust is so important when you're feeling that you I think you have lost a lot of trust in these types of divorces so getting a team around you that you feel you can really rely on is important Thank you so much, Kerry. It was it was a great episode. Really, I so enjoyed listening to to what you do, and uh, I think many of our listeners will will relate to that and are in this situation probably, uh, and can reach out to you. They have someone they can they can talk and call in the next few few days or weeks if they need to. Sarah Jane, do you want to? I've just you. wanted to add that we'll put all your details in in the podcast okay. notes if anybody wants to contact you if you have any. Uh, more information. I want to advise people to go and see your, your YouTube uh, channel because I, I really enjoyed listening to them and I, I learned a lot while preparing this episode. So I really recommend if you have a, yeah. other things to recommend to our yeah, listeners. Absolutely. So with the YouTube channel, uh, my YouTube channel is broad. So it's for all divorcing women. So if you happen to have listened to this episode, but you're not necessarily divorcing a wealthy and powerful man, you'll still get loads of value out of my YouTube channel. I also have um, a checklist, 10 point checklist of things that you should think about um, when divorcing. Um, so that's a free download and I'll make sure the link is there for that. I also, I'm very active on Instagram, use it consistently so that will be a really good place for you to find me and then lastly I also have a scorecard which allows you to find out if you are financially prepared for divorcing a wealthy and powerful man great thank you for all this source of information and thank you so much for accepting our invitation today it's been a pleasure <laughs> thank you both thank, thank you, you Kerry bye, bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have found this podcast useful, please share, like, and comment hashtag divorce and help spread the information around you if you think it may be useful to others. If you would like us to deal with one issue in particular, or if you would like to participate to our podcast, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram by searching Audrey Zetun or Sarah Jane Taster. It would be great to hear from you. See you soon for another episode of Hashtag Divorce.